Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and this week I am flying solo. Unfortunately, Derek can't join me this week as he's got some things to take care of. Uh, but we have the Quiet Adventure Symposium coming up next weekend, so what I decided to do while he's not here is go through past years that we've recorded at the Quiet Adventure Symposium down in Michigan and pull a couple of the uh, interviews that we had done there that I know Derek and I both uh, have enjoyed doing and listened to. Uh, so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to uh, we're going to listen to those. And the first one was uh, all the way back in episode 160. And we got to go all the way back to March 7th, 2019. That seems so long ago now. And we ended up chit-chatting with uh, the folks from Chicago Adventure Therapy, or CAT. Uh, Derek was looking through the book and thought, these sounds pretty cool. Uh, what they're doing down there. So, uh, yeah, we went over and we talked to uh, Andrea Nepper and um, Brianna Haynes and got them to come over to the booth. And we sat down, we did an interview with them and found out all about uh, Chicago Adventure Therapy and what they did and, and all that. And you know what? We we're, we we're really enjoyed that one. It's still one of our favorite uh, uh, interviews that we have done. Uh, so here's the first of... Three things I think we're doing this week's show. Uh, like I say, all the way back from episode 160, 160, March 7th, 2019, Andrea Nepper and Brianna Haynes from Chicago Adventure Therapy. So, our next guests are from the Chicago Adventure Therapy. We have Andrea Nepper and Brianna Haynes. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Um, when I was looking through our guide that we got about the presentations that were, were coming up, uh, I saw leadership, I saw paddling, yeah, I saw kids, so and I saw your name. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm saying, you know what, growing up, getting outside, paddling, any, any outdoor activity really, um, and as we were talking off, off, the, off air here, that I was an air cadet and I did all the leadership courses and stuff like that, and I think that really helped me in my my future life endeavor you know endeavor yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff yeah. and that so when i see that sort of thing especially we're big on the getting the kids outside yes. thing sure. right sure. so when i saw that i'm thinking okay we got to talk to andrea here and <laughs> awesome so let us know what exactly is your program sure so chicago adventure therapy it's an organization that i founded and we work with chicago youth and we use outdoor sports to build life skills um, I'm a social worker okay. and started it as a clinical program. We work with partner agencies, other youth-serving agencies in the city, and we provide programming during the summer. Um, and then what was happening is that programming ends with those agencies and access to the sport closes for our young people because that was the only way they had access. And for some of them who did programming with us, they didn't even know these sports existed. And right. so then it's this thing where it's like, hey, look at this cool thing that you didn't know existed have fun with it. Sorry, you don't get to ever do it again. And so we oh, said, yeah. and some young people did it, and they were just like, yeah, glad I did that. I don't need to ever do it again. It's like, <laughs> right. okay. But other other folks said, I want to learn everything I can about this. And so very early, so we just celebrated our 10th season, program awesome. season. Awesome. Um, and very, very early on, we started saying, hey, we need to figure out how to keep this access open. And so we started what we call Cat Paddling Community, or Cat PC. So Chicago Adventure Therapy, we call it Cat. 
Um, and it's a community of paddlers, and it is um, current youth participants and past youth participants and local paddlers and local coaches, and we paddle together. And we do something paddling related twice a month all through the year. Um, and what we have learned in Cat PC is that the thing that is most impactful is building leadership skills. Right. Um, and that as you build leaders, you are building um, youth who become young adults who are an agent in their life and in their community and in bringing more young people into the sport. And so every time that we do something together, what's really, really important to me is that every single person there should be learning something new. I should be learning something new. All of my coaches should be learning something new. Somebody who's paddling for the first time should be learning something new. And every single person who's there should be um, contributing something. They have something to give. They have something to teach. They have something to impart to somebody else. So it's not a thing where there's the experts and the people who aren't experts. Everybody is learning something new and everybody is giving something. And so um, somebody may have paddled with us once, but they then if somebody is there who's new, they then we'll have that person who's only been there once. They can lead because we say, hey, can you show this person who's new how that life jacket should fit properly? Right. And that's leadership, and it's a tiny, tiny little piece, but that's a way they can do it first. And as they continue in, in the community, we give them bigger pieces and bigger pieces and bigger pieces, and it should be a challenge, and it should be hard. Um, but the more we give them really authentic leadership where they are leading a portion of the program, the more opportunity there is also for them to to fail, <laughs> right? And to right. fall flat on their face. And, a fa- and failure is part of... Leap. Failure is part of success. It is. No, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, We've been hearing these all. Gotcha. Afternoon. Okay. So failure is part of success, but we also have to be ready to step in. And if the pieces start falling apart, and someone is going to fall on their face publicly in front of the whole group, we have to be ready to step in and help collect the pieces. And it might be that we step in and lead with that person, right. or it might be that we step in and kind of take it back, or it might be that we just step in and ask a question. And if we ask that one question, that helps the person who's who's out there kind of in over their head to all of a sudden be able to get it back again. Right. If that makes and, sense. And it's a big confidence thing as well. I mean, failing, you, you fail, but if you can learn from that, or yeah. you, if you're about to fail and then can turn it around, and you're going, oh, I'm, 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 we did it, and that, that's a big confidence booster as well. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I do think that I agree with a, a lot of the stuff that was said. Right. Um, I started off as one of those Just youth. Oh, look here! I started <laughs> off as one of those youth leaders. So, um, I mean, not youth leaders. So, sorry. I started off as one of the participants in the okay. program yep. back in 2014. And I pretty much just loved the sport. I never knew anything about kayaking. I didn't even know how to build a tent. Um, so I learned that stuff with Kat. And I actually lost contact because I was with, I came through uh, one of those a- agencies that she was talking about. Okay. And I and lost it was be- contact. It was before we started Cat PC. Right. And so we didn't have that way of staying So you've involved. developed right. since then. Yeah, yeah, so I lost contact and, you know, Chicago is a small world and I ran into someone that I remembered who, um, one of our staff. Yeah, who okay. did one Great. of the trips with us. 
and I saw her on the train, and I was like, hey, didn't you uh, do a trip with us, blah, 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 and so um, she's like, yeah, and I was like, I really want to come back, and I was like, but I have no way of, you know, communicating with them. Exactly. And so that's when, and I didn't think to, you know, Facebook, Chicago Adventure Therapy, you know, because they've always been there. Yeah. I just didn't think of that. And then she reached out, and I gave my number, and then that's how we kind of connected back. And I was able to then get my coach certification through them, and just a lot of leadership uh, experiences, like being able to coach um, at a symposium in New York and Wisconsin. So just doing a lot of different stuff. Okay. Yep. That's cool. So it's, really cool. it's you're learning through participating, you're, you're building your confidence, building your skills. That's a great way, ground level, to create something for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right? It's impressive. That's it's an impressive program. <laughs> and then they also, like, the, the CAT PC is not just, like, just, like, an organization that you can just reach out to when it's time, you know, like, when, it, when there's events going on. Yes. Like, you can access them whenever... And Excellent. they're a big support system. That's amazing. And I feel like a lot of the people who chose to stay, stayed because of that reason. Like me, like I don't have family like that. And they're like a family to me because they're there for advice. Like when I need advice, when I need someone to talk to, like they're always there. They've been supporting me um, and my family. I have a four-year-old and then I have a two-week-old. And so they've been helping me just through the process yeah. and with everything. Nice. Wow. So we call it Cat Paddling Community because when we started it, we had um, a couple staff um, and a volunteer and a couple young people who did the planning for it. And at one point, we were like, hey, we need to have a name for this. And it's not because a name is important, but we need to have a name because we have to have a way to talk about it. Exactly. Um, and one of the young people who was involved, um, who was was part of the planning of it, he was adamant that the word community part of it and not a guy who I would have guessed would say that but he was adamant that community needed to be part of it because that's what we were we're a community and if you think about it I mean any outdoor sport like you do it because you love the sport right but you also do it for the people and it's a community and we talk about the outdoor community we talk about the paddling community right and and he was the one who said we have to have the word community in here and it really has become a community and it's kind of cool we paddle together we teach each other we learn from each other we support each other in our lives and um, I don't know. I guess to me, that's the way it should be. <laughs> well, you know, it is. I mean, I got into paddling. I mean, I, I was doing some solo solo stuff, and then I was on a, a forum for Algonquin Park up in Ontario, and I just started chatting with people, and then I started meeting a few people, and then there was a few more people, and important. And all of a sudden, you got this big group of paddlers with the same, you know, uh, uh, interest. And you know, okay, you're doing these trips and stuff, but when you're doing these trips. You're talking about all these different aspects of your life and how things are happening. And pretty soon you're saying, oh, no, dude, if you're looking for this, you're having problems. I got a guy I can get you in contact with. And, that sort of thing. and it really is a giant support thing, and it really helps everybody out. So it sounds like you guys are doing that at a... At a, at a earlier level I guess in a more organized level in a, well yeah in yes. a more organized level for sure yeah we're trying to make sure that happens and we're bringing together people who work, wouldn't usually come together yes because right. we've yeah. got young people who we're working with we've got volunteers and you know so you end up with a like Mexican American gang involved teenage guy oh, wow. and uh, you know 
white suburban woman in her 60s and they're <laughs> paddling together diverse, right. very diverse and they're paddling together and they've got each other's backs on the water and when you get off the water then you still have each other's backs when you're off the water yes, right yeah. and you're meeting these people you wouldn't usually meet but you have something as Brianna says this, this thing that we all love right and so I don't know yeah, I think it's, it's kind of cool good. it is really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah so where do you so, see for the future, like, are, are you guys still developing the program? Do you see more changes in the future? Are you bringing other facets in? Like, you, you must have some sort of vision for even better or more in the future, right? Yeah, so it tends to be fairly organic based okay. on sort of what we're seeing that people want, but but I kind of... <laughs> I kind of want to take over the paddling world with our young people. Yeah, that's <laughs> we're, great. We're always the group that's yes. having the most fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we talk about the paddling world and the outdoor world being old. Um, and yeah, our crew isn't old. Like in the in the, I, I coach and I have been sort of the baby in the coaches for twenty years. Yeah, and I'm not the baby anymore, but I'm still one of the younger ones. But in Cat PC. There was one year at one of the symposiums they called me old gal. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So we're much younger. We're much more diverse. um, And we have a lot of fun. And I want to bring that. I I want our young people to be the leaders of the paddling world for the next 40 years. And so I want to do, you know, Brianna said she's a coach. She is a certified paddle sport coach globally recognized nice. like it's not just something that we said oh you're going to coach for us like it's a it's a real certification wow. you shouldn't go um, anywhere with that and absolutely that's awesome and we have four young people who've gotten that certification we have volunteers who've gotten that certification I want to keep working at that I want to yeah. keep building skill keep building um, coaching so that they really can be leading not just our little community yeah. but stepping out into the broader paddling community um, making it more accessible for more young people in Chicago um, for younger kids in Chicago um, I mean Brianna said she's got a four year old son and a two two week old son um, and she has she you know her, her four year old son has been doing stuff with us since he was one. Oh wow nice <laughs> you know and, and people um, want to bring their 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 younger siblings and they want to bring their cousins and every now and again you know there was there was a Zach with one he's like can I bring this girl (laughs) right people want to bring more people in and I want to build the capacity to be able to do that and I want our young people to be doing that coaching as opposed to um, a a whole bunch of of old people coming in and doing all the coaching so I don't know what do you have to to add to all of that because I've just done my babble (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's not a very bad thing to have like older coaches no you're just saying that because she's sitting there <laughs> well, I mean, because I've seen it before, where where it's like where we get got a chance to at friends and family night, um, we got a chance to run it um, for the first time, like new leadership stuff. Okay. And we had a bunch of kids, and we just did not know what to do. Like the kids were like everywhere in the water, and some was like, "I can't get my boat to move forward." And we were just like <laughs> looking at each other, like, "What do we do? Like, what, what what do we do?" And we were so confused. And it was just this one moment where it was like so dis like organized, and I could see on the kids' face that they weren't having fun. Exactly. And um. One of the one of the older coaches said to one of us, like, "Hey, why don't you play a game with them?" And then that's when um, one of the people 
Oh, that was you. And so we came up with a game. We got everybody, um, you know, together. And we did, uh, what was it, uh, Sharks and Minnows. Okay. And they had a blast. We had, like, people in the water. Um, uh, capsizing people, and it okay. was it was it was safe. Everybody had life jackets <laughs> on, but it was awesome. And no boat spearing people. <laughs> and you could see that those kids had fun, and they wanted to come back. Exactly. They were like, "This is something that I would do," and that's I think that's the biggest thing is making sure that they have fun. Because if you have a lot of older coaches who are just like sticklers, and they're just like, "You have to do this this way, this way, this way," and just yes. telling them what to do, your paddle needs to go in at a forty-five. <laughs> Exactly. angle and there's no fun then you don't get these group of people to come Precisely. together yeah. like you you don't get them to come back and so that's that's how we get the group of kids we get to come together that's and amazing I, I love that she talked about friends and family night because that was part of the process of becoming coaches okay. um, so there was a group of young people and and volunteers who were going to take a coaching award and so in the winter time we had a thing where I was just like okay you're going to you're going to take this but here's the thing you all are young and the fact is as young people you have to do this even better than most people do or people are just going to be like pat you on the head no oh. that cute Right, yeah, and so right. we're going to start talking about coaching, and we're going to practice coaching before you take the official training. So we had a day in the winter time where we talked about, like, literally talked about coaching theory, and then split into groups and said, "Okay, we're going to plan a, a, a coach. We're going to plan a, a coaching session." Okay, and you know, you need to think about who who are you teaching, who are your students, how are you going to reach them, what do you want to teach, how are you going to teach that, how are you going to organize yourselves, and they planned a session. Then we had a day in the pool where they practiced that and practiced delivering that with each other. Then we had friends and family day where they then practiced all of that with everybody got to invite one friend or family member and they got to practice that. So there were some moments when it was chaos, but there was a lot that they learned from that going into the formal coaching training. Um, And the, the kids who came had a blast. So they learned a ton. Our aspiring coaches who hadn't even done the training yet learned a ton. And then they were much more prepared when they went into that formal coach training. They had an idea of what they were getting into. And having done it and realized already some of the pitfalls of trying to coach a group, then learning all of those strategies in the training made more sense and then they did the training and they got the assessment and then it's like okay well now you're a coach but where you really become a coach is coaching so then it became my job to make sure that they were getting opportunities to coach and so she's coached Brianna has coached you coach the Dork County um, and we were invited to a symposium in New York and all of the youth who were coaches were then invited to to coach one day um uh, actually, not at the symposium, but at another outfitter in, in Queens that was looking to kind of up their coaching game a little bit. And our our youth coaches all went and coached in Queens for a day. Awesome. <laughs> like, it was amazing. Yeah, and it was awesome. We were on the sit-on-top. We were on the sit-on-top um, kayaks. And they had to learn not to be boat snobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a really, really good lesson because every boat is an amazing boat. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, and the crazy thing is, they were all beginners. So it was like we were basically showing them like little tricks on how to turn the bolts and okay. you know, stuff like that. Yep. So it was really fun just watching them doing it. 
Yeah, if, if you're if you've got the skills and you're able to teach someone else those skills for the first time, seeing that and see them pick it up with you, just that is a good feeling. Yeah, you know? it makes you feel really good. And then the the insight that they gave us afterwards and saying that everybody had fun and you know they enjoyed it, they learned stuff. That yeah, that felt good. So, and I think we've both mentioned who knows how many times this was fun, and I think that's so important. Oh, it is. I mean, I think it's important for adults, too. Adults don't come back if they're not having fun. But, oh, exactly, but yeah. But we'll pretend like we're coming back because we're learning something instead of because it was fun, but it has to be fun for people to come back, and kids aren't going to pretend that they're coming back right. because they're learning how to do it right. Right. Kids are going to come back if it's fun, and so you have to make it fun, and um it, I, I, fun I is at, part of everything we do. I look at my my kids when they were they're young, they were young. We started them on the canoe tripping and stuff like that. Like I mean, going interior and, and all these yeah, different trips and yeah. stuff. And you have to make it fun. You have to include them. You have to say, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, you have to include yeah. them. If if we're yeah. doing a portage, you're in charge of the life jackets. You're in charge of the paddles. I've got the canoe. Let's go. Right. And, and as like, they get older, they'll be in charge of more than the life jackets exactly. or the paddles. But you have to start with something they're genuinely in charge of. My son is 22 now. Yeah. And we did a trip last summer. And it, it becomes a competition on <laughs> who can portage <laughs> the most gear in one. I yeah. Okay, I'll buy into that. <laughs> Let's see how much you can take first. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you get them in there and they're enjoying it and they're having fun, they're definitely going to come back. Yeah. And yeah. then if you can teach them, like, here's here's the way to have fun and do it, then it makes you look good and it gives you the confidence that you did your job. I, I made sure that they're having fun, that they enjoyed it, that they learned something, and they're coming back. They want to come back. Awesome. They want yeah. to participate. They want yeah. to do it again. Yeah, that's yeah. Really awesome. And then everybody's learning. Everybody's getting Absolutely. better. Oh, everybody's yeah. having fun. And, yeah. and and everybody is learning how to get along with other people when it's stressful. Absolutely. Oh, that's, 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 a like, that's a huge test. That's a huge piece of oh, the outdoor yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. We've been, we've been outdoors with people paddling, and you just, like, shake your head. And you're like, how are, yeah. how are you still on the water? Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, okay, sit down. Dude, you're doing that. There's a better way to do that sort of thing. Right? Yeah. And, yeah, if you can get all gentle that. Gentle coaching, though. Yeah. You have to do yeah. gentle coaching. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And if you can learn all those skills, it's, it's, it's great. Now, yeah. you're in Chicago right now. Yeah. Are you looking at taking this further? So, yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet. Um, okay. But a couple pieces of it. Uh, I, I'm going. I'm taking a sabbatical this summer, so I'm going to be gone for three weeks. Hey. Um, I have two staff members who are running the show while I'm gone. One of those two staff members started as a youth participant. Um, oh, there you go. She was, yeah. yeah, when she was 14, and she's she's 23 right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah she's 23 age. right. Yeah, so she's been around for nine years, wow. um, and she's going to be one of the team of two who's running the show. So pretty excited about that. Cool. Um, and then my hope also is that at, in taking a sabbatical, I'll get a little bit of distance so that I can come back with the bigger picture again because it's so easy to get caught up in all the day-to-day details. Yeah. Um, and when I come back, 
my hope then is also to be in a slightly different role because they're going to be doing it without me, <laughs> right? So I don't need to come back and do all the stuff I've been doing because they're doing it without me. So that gives me a chance to move back into that role I was in at the beginning that's about what is what is the vision and what is the big picture and what's the next big thing. Um, and one of the things that, that I'm looking at is just how do we become more sustainable? Because we're a small nonprofit that I founded. We still work out of my home. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. We're trying to move that this this summer. We, we just launched a capital campaign today, Chicago Adventure Therapy, www.chicagoadventuretherapy.org. You can give us money towards that. <laughs> um, and one of the pieces of that capital campaign is to get um, to be able to pay rent to get in a space that's not my home. Um so, so looking at how do we increase sustainability, but also how do we, um, in increasing sustainability, how do we look at programming that brings in some money yeah. um, that our young people who are coaches, who are leaders, would be delivering that programming and getting paid for it. So it's youth employment, right? So that we have a little bit more steady revenue streams. Right. And then the other thing that I'm looking at is how do we make it bigger? How do we, how do we take... The young people who are already working with us, who are already working on leadership, who are already coaches, more people who want to become coaches, how do we use them to then get bring more people in? How do we how do we get more young people in Chicago doing this? Because we get we get young people coming and paddling with us and they've grown up in Chicago, but a program with us is the first time they've ever seen Lake Michigan. Really? Wow. Yeah, think about wow. that for yeah. a minute. Yeah. Growing up in Chicago and you've never seen Lake Michigan. Right, so I want to I want to get more more young people doing that, and I want our youth, our leaders, to be leading that charge. Yes, right, but it's got to be only if it's if if that's what they want. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there's that, and then I also, um, with some regularity, have people talking to me from other parts in the country about, oh, I want to do something similar. Oh, I want to do something similar, and I always say, oh, I'm happy to talk with you about how to do this. I'm happy to bring a couple of our young people to talk with you about how to do this because you have to talk to them um, about how to do this. Um, and we never quite have, but I would love to figure out, you know, whether it's a, not a consulting thing, but but how is it that we start planting seeds to help people in, in other places? Like a countrywide network. Yeah, how yeah. do we help build that network? And and also then, there are, there are people across the country doing it. How do we help build that connection, right? Right. Because... Um, it's important. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's important. It, it may and be a cliche, but it's the future. It is. Uh, it know? is. And I think, and you should weigh on and tell me if I'm right about this, but I think that young people are going to get involved and stay involved if they're interacting with other young people who are also yes. involved, right? Yes. And so how do we make those connections? I don't know. What, that's what I think. Um, I mean, yeah, the same thing. But if you think about it, we already have, like, two people, two um, volunteers that are branching off doing their own thing. Yeah, that's like we true. literally have, um, and they're in other places, so one is in Indiana and the other one is Wisconsin. She's in Illinois, but really, pretty much as far north as you can go and still be in Illinois. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, so, I mean, we're kind of doing it, and, you know, they have you to tell them um, what to do and, um, 
and they have us too, like the youth who can help them because they are working with younger kids. And yeah, and the other key to that is that it has to be in conjunction with young people. Right. Yeah. When 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 adults try to create things for young people, we always mess it up. You mess it up, <laughs> and the kids tune uh, tune you out. Like yeah. they see yeah. somebody who's a little bit older and say, oh, "I'm not listening to them." They're just it's that anti-authority. It's but if you have your your other kids the same age talking your peers right peer to peer and that's a great way to send the message to communicate and how to build a program like that absolutely and i think then also young people see themselves in the leaders yes right? they become so leaders and exactly. they buy into it they take exactly. ownership i think so yes. because um you know in the outdoor world it's mostly old white people, right? Yes, and we sadly. have mostly young people of color. And yeah. so then as we have those youth who are becoming leaders, the new youth coming in, they get to see themselves in those leaders. And they see themselves in Brianna a lot more than they see themselves in me. Exactly. And I, yes. and I was actually going to say that, like, the, the youth... The youth are driven by seeing other youth doing. Because I know I was like, I was able to see other people, and I was like, I want to do that. Like, I, I yeah. want to do that one day. And here I am now, you know, working towards it. And hopefully, I have that impact on someone else. Exactly. Because it's like we, some of us have came from the same background, and so we're able to understand each other a little bit more. Um, versus, like, you know, some of, like, the older coaches who come from the same background. So we're able to relate to each other. We're able to, you know, help each other, give each other advice. I'm not saying that, you know, the older coaches, they can't, but it's just a little bit more of a connection that we have. Peer-to-peer. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. we're able to, you know, say, hey, look, I, I used to be the same way. And, you know, like, yeah. this is what you can do or, you know, not even what you can do. Like, not telling them what to do. Just giving them advice. Like, this is what I did, and, you know, this is what I went through. And I feel like it it impacts them in a positive way, and it helps them to be able to see stuff differently and also be able to change their lives around. Precisely. Because I feel like that's the biggest thing, like, getting getting them off the streets, getting them to see something um, different and getting them to experience something different, whether it's, like... Whether it's like they wanted to do it at first or they didn't, you know. Exactly. But yeah. It's a lot of the time. Uh, I'm sorry. A lot of them they end up coming back, even if they have like the first time. It's a horrible experience because they felt like they didn't get something or you know. Didn't they, fit in. Didn't get or something they were out of it. Scared. Right. Or they exactly. Were, yeah. It was uncomfortable. But yeah. they all yeah. came back. Like yeah. literally, like they all came back. Is it something that can take a part of and take it? put something of themselves into it and get you're gaining something you're earning something other that's that's it's not monetary it's not it's not a piece of property it's it's something inside you that you're building on and you're saying i can do this this is amazing i can take a leadership role i can be a part of a team peer-to-peer yeah and that i really i know i keep coming back to it but i i think that leadership piece is so important just like you said right so we have um, another another young person who also has that coach award, um, and we we laugh a lot because the very first time she paddled, she did not like it oh, yeah. at all. <laughs> she was at a symposium, and we asked at the end of the day. We were debriefing, and you know, just kind of how was it? And there was a volunteer who couldn't paddle because she had 
shoulder surgery. So they were all calling her Grandma Debbie. And I said, you know, Grandma Debbie wishes that she was on the water with us. So just give her a snapshot of the day. How was it? And this particular one young woman was the very first person to start talking. And she said, she says, Grandma Debbie, it was horrible. <laughs> so this was, she's 19 now. And this was when she was 15. So it was okay. like four yeah. years ago. She's on staff now. And oh, wow. she, awesome. she, she has her coaching certification, like an official globally recognized coaching certification. She's wow. the youngest paddle sport coach in the country. Um, awesome. Yeah. And, and she loves paddling. And I asked her once, I was like, why did you keep coming back? I was like, I didn't think I was going to get you in the water the next day. And it was a four day symposium. And I was like, God, what am I going to do with this girl? I was like, why did you keep coming back? And she said, because I fi- she said, I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> there you go. She said, and I figured I shouldn't give up until I give it a chance. And so I decided to give it six months. That's impressive. Cool. And she loves it now. And we, you know, what we keep showing her is what she's good at. Right. And we yeah. all like knowing what we're good at. Oh, right? yeah. oh, yeah. So she was she was referred to the program for anger management. And what we've seen is this incredible leader. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah, impressive. You, you got to get it out somewhere and turn it into a positive. And if that's what worked. Yep. Yep. So she, she self-describes and publicly in a little video that we did, I'm not like, you know, sort of disclosing confidential in, yeah. information. She self-describes that she says, I was a ticking time bomb. And she talks about paddling as diffusing that for her. Wow. Amazing. Well, yeah. it definitely sounds like you're onto something here. I hope so. And I really would, you know, you're asking what's that. I really, I really think that um, to, to get young people into the sport, they have to be leading. And they have to be leading grassroots and small, like in our little organization and, and you know, sort of around the country. But they also, we also need to figure out how to bring them into leadership in the industry right. and how to bring them into leadership in coaching because young people need to see other young people who they're paddling with individuals but they also need to see young people in the photos and they need to see young people repping the gear and they need to they need to see young people behind the booths at events like this they need to see young people at every part of the industry in order to know that it really is for them and that all us old people and you know we work with a lot of youth of color also so all us old white people that we're not just saying you're welcome here, yes. but that they really are, and that this really is going to be part of the team. You can tell them you're leading, welcome, but until team. you show them, exactly, right? Exactly. And I mean, up in Canada, that's becoming a big thing now. Is you know, and they say the white male privilege. Right. It's all right. a bunch of old white guys out there paddling and stuff like that, and you know, because they can afford all the gear and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, I think it's it's starting to, in my opinion, starting to starting to come. That it is going to be the younger people, and it's it going to is. Be the people I mean, they're here to replace and, us, and, right? And, and oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know Toronto's a big melting pot of mm-hmm. all over the world. Yeah, you know, everybody's yeah. coming in there, immigrants from all over the place, and and they're getting them out there and, and starting to show all this stuff. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important. And like I say, it's, it's it's the the younger people that are going to be, you know, as I say to my son, when I'm old and. And can't portage anymore. It's going to be you, you and your do it kids for me. that are I'll, going to be doing I'll it for be, me. I'll be in charge of the life jackets. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be in charge of the life jackets <laughs> yeah. and carrying the little packs yeah. of dog food. Right. And you, can, yeah. you and your kids can yeah. take the rest for me, right? So I'm going down the portage with my walker. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, getting the kids involved and getting the leadership skills and, and the coaching skills and, and all that to bring up the next generation after right. generation. Right. It's, it's got to start now. And, and like I said, I think you're onto something here. And Thank hopefully you. it can actually branch into 
a bigger picture, as you say. And Something yeah. that can yeah. be spread amongst communities and move. Yeah, yeah. yeah one, I would really one thing like that, that we have or I've noticed, and it's I, I'm local. I see what happens locally, mm. so I do see it in the local school and stuff. Is there's a lot of uh, like team sports. Everybody gets a prize. Yeah, yeah. Right? And in school, there's no kid left behind, so everybody passes. So there's no real failure. There's no, And you were talking about this earlier, about how the kids fail, but you help lift them up and, and support right. them and say, this is not such a bad thing. Right. This is right. a learning opportunity to make yourself better. And so one thing that always concerns me when it comes to the lack of failures is you get pushed through the whole school system. You go out into the real world, and your first failure is in the workforce. Right, and then what do you do when you fail? You don't have any idea how to deal with failure. You don't know. Failure is a critical piece of success. Yes, yes, you have to know how to fail. Yeah, it's a critical piece of success, right? And so... um, for, for me, in our sort of regular summer programming, one of the things about training our staff, and especially our summer interns, right, so they're in, in college or maybe graduate school, and they're so excited about this, and they just want to go out and be cheerleaders. And yeah. I'm like, you know what, that's great, but there's going to be somebody who doesn't hit their goal, and there's yes. going to be somebody who who feels like they've failed, and the best we do for them is not about cheerleading when they get to the top of, of a of a rope or when they um, you know do a really good forward stroke where we do them the best is when we help them deal with what do you do when you don't hit your goal and right. that sometimes you don't hit your goal right away you 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 fail in that a whole lot of times and how do you reset and then try again Precisely. Um, and that that's a huge skill and we we talk a lot about how do you keep going? <laughs> yes. How do you keep yeah. going when it's hard? How do you keep going when it doesn't work? In the face of failure, how do you keep exactly? Moving and how do you how do you reset what those interim goals are? And and yeah. when when do you need to change the goal? And when do you not need to change the goal? But you do need to set a whole lot of interim goals in between. And you know, yes. but right. you have to be able to deal with failure. And if it's just about cheerleading, we're not doing anybody any good. But so to help people deal with failure and to say failure isn't the end. Failure is a Precisely. step along the way yeah. to success and how do we help people understand that yeah. also. Um, and yeah, so that I always say we're strengths-based. We, we elicit people's strengths. We pull it out. We, we, we hold a mirror back to people about yes. their strengths. Yes. But a failure is a part of that. Strengths-based doesn't mean yeah. that we don't yeah. fail. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yes. And well, so then I try to model that too and oh my God, is that hard? Because I, sh- I don't want people to see when I fail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and the, and the big thing is I mean, as canoe trippers, we go on some trips, and you're just like, oh, man. But you know what? And, and that's exactly it. how you get up, and, and you just keep going and going and going. And eventually, yeah. you know, yeah, there's going to be times where you don't have that support. But because you've had it in the past, you know what you can do, the steps you can take to get you through. And exactly. I think that's where you you really show it's all come together. It's, you know, it's the small steps instead of saying the next goal post is my goal, which sometimes seems insurmountable. You say one more step. Exactly. One this more step. I just have to keep moving. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yes. most of the young people we work with, life has not dealt them an easy hand. Right. Right? And so there's a lot of that of just having to keep putting one foot forward, right, in front of the next and having to adjust plans because a plan doesn't doesn't work it falls through yes. and so then what's your next move I mean that's true for a lot of this folks in Cat you see don't you think yeah 
but I think failure also like teaches other people like how like what not to do kind of correct and I Learn think I have like mistakes. the biggest example of that um I was coaching in Door County and I was demonstrating a wet exit. Okay. And so we had always talked about the importance of making sure that little loop on your uh, skirt was out. Yes. And when I went under the water, I did not check to make sure mine was out and it was tucked in. Oh, no. And I cannot get out. But they thought that I was, like, doing what they were saying, what we were talking about, which yeah. is taking your time under the water and, you know, getting up. The how patient she is. Exactly. <laughs> and really, I just couldn't get out. And I I remember I was panicking. Yeah. And I was like, I, I just couldn't think. You know, like I couldn't think. I was just trying to get out. Yeah. And so I lifted my hand up a little bit and was like, <gasps> and then that's when the coach who I was helping assist, she started running over. <laughs> and then um, after that, I like kicked my, by the t- time she got to me, I was able to kick my way out. Okay. And then I like, I got up very slowly because I was so embarrassed because yeah. I was coaching. Exactly. And yeah. I was able to say, I made a mistake. And this is what I did, and this yeah. is the danger of doing this. You yes. know, what if, what, what if I wasn't able to actually, you know, kick, kick my way? And out. if you weren't in such controlled environment, and yes, right. you exactly. you had a lot of safety exits, what backups and stuff. But if you're out out on a lake somewhere, you may not have that backup. So it's it's a good lesson that you learned yourself. Yeah. I was like, oh, that tag is going to be out next time. I need that pole strap. Exactly. <laughs> to have the presence of mind to be able to turn around and say that to her students. Yeah. Yes. So that they got to actually see it. This is an example of what not to and do. And so then they exactly. learned that, right? Yeah. And then when we debriefed, you know, when we were done and stuff, and they talked to, like, we were going around saying what we learned, what what worked for us, and, you know, different stuff like that. And a lot of the women said that was an eye-opener, and um, it was very scary um, to see that, you know, for everybody. We, all, we all thought that you were just demonstrating and blah, 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 and I was just like, yeah, and I just had to have this, like, <laughs> smile on my face and, you know, like, just say, yeah, that, that's, that's why you always make sure, you know, just be this positive person, but deep down, I was like... You're so what stupid. Happened? Like, what are you doing? You just messed up in front of all these people. Yes, yeah, so it was just so embarrassing. But I was able to, you know, not show that I was Exactly, exactly. And, and to become after that and be able to get out and do more coaching is a big thing as well. Yes. Yeah. Right? And I and I did do more stuff after that. Awesome. <laughs> the well, next day actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be yeah. right? You have to. Yes. Yes. Some of the same to. women were in my class. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, let's see what she does today. <laughs> you know, and that's it. We'll, we'll do dumb things. I mean, even after 30 years of canoe tripping, we'll do yeah. something stupid. And then yeah. the next day, we're just like, yeah. Yeah. I but you that. know what? Yeah, show Five, me someone six years who down, do the, down stuff, the road. Right? You're, you're sitting there. Remember the time you did it? Oh, man, that was so dumb. And you'll laugh and you'll laugh. Yeah. And, I mean, you're telling the story today. And that's exactly what it becomes. It was a learning experience. 
and people probably learn from it. But you know what? Afterwards, you can say, you know what? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's that, important. That's a huge thing. It's very important. Yeah. It's important yeah, yeah. to share. Yeah. When and where I work, we call it operational experience. So this is something that happened. Share that far and wide because yeah. you might be saving somebody else out there who yeah. is unaware that that's a lesson that they have to learn, yeah. and they've learned it from you yeah. instead of making the mistake and learning it themselves. I, I mean, it's the same thing when there's a big incident, right? Yeah. The way, what has to happen after there's a big incident is to do a good incident report and to share yes. how, you know, the, the, the steps of what went wrong and then the what lessons learned and, and what to do different, and that should be shared as opposed to hidden. Exactly. Because everybody can learn from that, yes. and it can help right. keep other folks safe. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're, you're really on to something, like I say, and it, it's really nice to be able, like I say, get, get you in here to, to chat. Awesome. And uh, so the Chicago Adventure Therapy yes. website? Uh, www.chicagoadventuretherapy.org. Okay, and you can you're talking about looking for money. Yes. And that's on that website. Yes, there is a donate tab and you can you can donate right there. Perfect. Yep. So Andrea? On, Andrea. On, yep. Andrea. <laughs> Brianna? Thank you guys for coming on here. Thank you. Good luck in all your future coaching and endeavors. Yes. And good hopefully luck. your your uh, cat keeps on going. Thank bigger, you. Bigger <laughs> and better. That's what I hope to. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much. Absolutely. Thank you. That was Andrea Nepper and Brianna Haynes from the Chicago Adventure Therapy. Uh, like I said before, that's one of our, our more favorite interviews we've done. Such a great group and what they're doing. And uh, we actually have talked to them since. And it's the, the groups just seem to be getting better and better. But we like this one because it was such a eye-opener for us. Uh, we're going to jump ahead a whole year to the next year, 2020, when we were at the Quiet Adventure Symposium again. Episode 212, March 5th, 2020, we talked to Joni McGuffin about the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy and the Canoes for Conservation. Uh, we've chatted with them before and, and whatnot, but uh, uh, another worthwhile group that's, you know, environmentally friendly and getting these uh, the Watershed Conservancy and stuff and, and uh, canoes into it. It's, it's all about the paddling, especially on Lake Superior, where I have such great time. Uh, so this one is uh, Joining the Guffin from episode 212, uh, March 5th, 2020. So we're sitting with Joni McGuffin. How are you doing, Joni? Oh, just fine. It's wonderful to be here at the Quiet Adventure Symposium. It's been, uh, <laughs> well, this is our second year recording here, but this is my like, fourth year. Yeah. This is your third time, Derek. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is my fourth time coming here and... It's just the rabbit show that always draws us. That, yeah. That's the exciting part, the rabbits. Yeah, it's all about the rabbits, man. I love going in and see the rabbits. Well, the first time I was at the show, our daughter, who's now 20, was just a baby. And we had a big uh, canoe set up, and she was sleeping in the canoe. And then every year, she would come, and everyone would see, like, a little older, a little older, a little older. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> she grew up coming to quiet water. <laughs> that's pretty cool, because this is her 25th year, 25th right? 25th year. Yeah. 25. Yeah. I know. It's amazing. And it's the first year with a new name, I believe. Cool. Yes, uh, quiet, exactly. quiet Adventures Symposium. Yes. Yeah, I might call it Quiet Waters. That's right. It's Quiet Adventures. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing that all weekend, still trying to get get that out of your head. Yeah. Quiet Adventures Symposium. Yes. So, so you are going to talk to us today yeah. about the Canoes for Conservation. Sure. Uh, to start. Yeah. Uh, so what is Canoes for Conservation? Um, 
Canoes for Conservation is an initiative of our Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy, our land trust. And uh, we wanted to, the, uh, as we get into more history about the Conservancy, it'll start to make even more okay. sense. But uh, we wanted to get people out on the water in a safe, inclusive, accessible way with interpretive guides. Oh, wow. And um, a big 36-foot canoe is an awesome way to do that. Yes. Um, last year was our inaugural year on the St. Mary's River and the eastern shore of Lake Superior. And um, we have we can take up to 14 people in the 36-foot canoe. And it's so stable, a platform. We had one, um, we had lots of elderly people, lots of people who've never paddled before, lots of people, different age groups. So you had grandparents with grandkids and so on. Anyways, I love this one woman who said, she's 85, and she said, I haven't been in a boat since I came across from Italy 60 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> in a boat. Yeah. And then she's in this big 36-foot. She's in a 36-foot canoe holding a paddle in her hands. So, nice. That's cool. Yeah. I. Well, you know, you're paddling radio, you know. It's just uh, how do we, we... I grew up going to a cottage in Muskoka. My husband, Gary, a cottage um, on Rabbit Lake in Tomogamy. And those kinds of growing up things at a camp or a cabin were just what she did in northern Ontario. Right. And I, there's so many people now who've never ever had those kinds of experiences. Exactly. And so they're adults. And the idea of getting in a canoe, like even like a two-person canoe, is it's a big step for It's them. intimidating. It's yeah. scary. It's yeah. 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 Whereas, um, so what we would do with the big canoe is um, for our interpretive tours, they're one and a half hour to three hour tours on the St. Mary's River in Sault Ste. Marie. It's a Canadian heritage river. And um, it's uh, so, like people learn about the culture and ecology of the region. They get all decked up with the right PFD in the paddle and they get in the canoe. And um, one of our guides, Peter, he always walks along the edge of the canoe just to show people how stable this canoe is. And then, you know, everybody gets going. And I was amazed at how little of a geography footprint we were taking up for an hour and a half tour. And then the longer ones we would do connected between uh, the Canadian Heritage uh, Locks. The Sioux Locks is a um, part of Parks Canada. Right. And um, we go through the locks and we, um, Whitefish Island, known uh, with Batuana First Nations, Whitefish Island. And it's an amazing um, experience out there because that is the only outflow to the largest freshwater lake in the world the St. Mary's River. Right. And so you've got the rapids there, and you're only looking at like a small percentage of what used to be uh, the rapids. And um, so we do some stuff out there. We've got food and drink, you know. It's just like making a kind of a really neat way. You cedar tea, and we have smoked whitefish, and then we take people down to the Bush Plain, Canadian Bush Plain Heritage Center. Right. We incorporated that. Um, and yeah, we're we're putting in another dock this summer so we can connect with the new um, Anishinaabek Discovery Center. Okay. It's uh, right at Algoma University, and there's a a great um, exhibit there about when it was a residential school, and so we'll have more of Indigenous programming this year. And um, yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> so, how long do the tours usually last? 
that well, you um, anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours. Uh, definitely ones that go up the lake. Like one of uh, the tours is um, paddling out to see the pictographs that's out from Sinclair Clove on, on the eastern side of Lake Superior in Lake Superior Provincial Park. Okay. And so most people, um, they just access seeing the pictographs by walking there. It's a very rugged trail. And so that's really challenging for a lot of people. Whereas if you get in the big canoe, now you have this whole experience in the way the painters, the original people who um, painted on that great canvas of rock, at, it's one of the best pictograph sites in all of Northern Ontario. And uh, you approach it on the water and um, you know just being on Lake Superior and seeing, and you get to see some of the pictographs that you can't see um, if you are on foot because right. there's a ledge that goes along beneath and it ends and some of the pictographs are around behind the oh, ledges. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. so that's that's really a lot of fun too. Um, yeah, Batuana Bay, Pancake Bay, like really simple, simple stuff. And a lot of these were along the old Voyageur routes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I mean... Um, all of the, the north shore of Lake Superior was paddled for hundreds of... Well, it was paddled for thousands of years. I yeah. always want to make sure we understand that. And um, uh, the indigenous people who live there today, who have lived there for thousands of years, um, these are the homelands. And uh, they're very spiritually significant places. But then when the uh, fur trade started, and um, you had the big Voyager canoes, so... I like to call our canoe the big canoe as opposed to a Voyager canoe, yeah. but people would think of it as a Voyager canoe. And uh, people, yeah, paddled into all those bays, places like Pancake, um, Agua Bay, there were old fur trading posts. There's an old fur trading post at Mishpacotten um, Harbor, uh, where the Mishpacotten River, it's... Um, the longest running fur trade out of Lake Superior happened there. Right. Near Wawa. Yep. Yeah, so there's a lot of history along the coast. and uh, Yeah, we, we've done the, the um, camping at Pancake and Batuana oh, yeah. and up through, you know, Rabbit Blanket yeah. and Old Woman Bay. We've been up there and uh, did the uh, Agua Rocks and saw the yeah. pictographs there and everything. And it's really a lot of history, a That's lot of history. Well, I, I think one of the marvelous things is um, I think there's a... A huge presence of the indigenous history there. Yes, it's, yes, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's not just the pictograph paintings. It's the whole. Um, it's the lake. It's the land. It's the people that are there who live there now have always lived there. Um, whether we go through Batuana First Nations territory or Missinaabe Crees First Nations territory, um, or we get up around Bigtagong Nishnabeg, up around uh, the Puckasaw area. Right. Um, Every community has their stories, and they're, um, they're all Ojibwe, but the language is all very pertinent to their specific landscape that they are in. And um, when we've done some of our um, interpretation, and we get it uh, you know, translated, we have to go to local speakers and talk to them. And... Anyways, the, the water trail is another big story besides Canoes for Conservation. Yeah. But the Canoes for Conservation was a way to bring the water trail to life 
like I said, on Lake Superior in a safe, accessible, inclusive way. So how did you come about creating this? Uh, what, what's the, where did the it come from? The Land Trust is um, the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it is not just the lake. It's actually the watershed. And so um, it's actually almost 16 years now. <laughs> uh, I, I go back a long way on the lake. Um, my husband Gary and I, to go even further back, <laughs> first met Lake Superior in 1983-84 when we paddled across Canada. Right. And so oh, that was yeah. our first. We came up through the locks. We came out onto this largest expanse of fresh water on Earth. We were entirely intimidated, as everybody is, about Lake Superior. You need a lot of respect to be on that lake. And uh, we paddled from... Sault Ste. Marie to Thunder Bay in 10 days. That's 500 miles. Wow. <laughs> we were going like getting up at 4.30 in the morning because we heard, you know, the weather was the best to paddle in the morning. And yeah. we'd just go all day. And we happened to have really calm weather for most of it. So it was ideal, and yeah. So yeah. We, just, we just went for it. So like it was just kind of a, a blur. And uh, so but we always said we would come back. And we just absolutely fell in love with Lake Superior. Uh, so in 1989, we took um, solo canoes and we paddled around Lake Superior, and that took us three months. And wow. that's how we got to really know the lake as a whole. And that's where I come back to the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy. Is um, we looked at it like it wasn't the boundaries that we set um, with the U.S. and Canada um, with it. It's there. They're artificial. Political boundaries are artificial yes, when it exactly. comes to the ecosystem. So we look at the, all of the Great Lakes, and we look at Lake Superior. It feeds all the lower Great Lakes. And it's so important to the health of the lower Great Lakes. If we took the watershed of all of the Great Lakes and we made it a country, it would be the third richest country in the world, and that's because oh, of the wow. fresh water at its yeah. heart. And... There's like three quarters of a million people on Lake Superior. It's not a big population. We have the cleanest of the the lakes. It's the deepest yep. and it's the greatest expanse of fresh water on the planet. And there's only there's over 200 rivers that flow into the lake, and only one that flows out, the St. Mary's, as I was telling you. And um, the uh, the origination of the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy was the idea of creating a land trust that would be for the health and well-being of this as a big picture. It's not just one little piece of the lake. It's like because everywhere you affect the lake, where the waters are flowing in, whether it's a river or it's a piece of the coast or it's a city on the coast, it's all just a big one big watershed. Exactly, yeah, yeah <laughs> so, exactly. So we formed uh, the Conservancy um, as a uh, land trust with a board of directors that has U.S. and Canada a board of uh, directors. Right. And um, it represents, we're founded as two organizations under the IRS and the Canada Revenue Agency, but we actually operate sort of as one organization. A lot of communication. So it, it gives us a lot of latitude <laughs> to be able to do a lot of cool things right uh, so i don't know if, <laughs> so, <laughs> like so talking <laughs> no no yeah no that's, well, that's why you're here so, so we're, yeah because <laughs> i'd like to go from like the creation you know what, what yeah. your original goals were like and now you're moving forward into the future what what do you hope 
that this can bring forth? What What is your future goals for this conservancy? Well, when we started this conservancy, we didn't have the kind of technology and the um, uh, communication that we have today. Yes. Like um, just even doing a you know a meeting with Zoom or something like that, where you can bring people in around this big geography. We were constantly having to travel to get to places, right. and that was really challenging. Um, yeah. And we thought, this is a huge mouthful that we've uh, bitten off here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we started with, you know, the dream of what we could do in terms of protecting areas. And we do have some preserves. So protecting land is something that we can do under our our bylaws. Right. Um, We have um, education. And we also have, like, what's become a really big piece of this is the experiential part. Well, we started with Canoes for Conservation. That was born out of um, a part of the Trans-Canada Trails Great Trail. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they came to us in 2013 and uh, were wondering how they were going to finish this big gap in the Trans-Canada Trail, which was the north shore of Lake Superior. So there's a lot of really cool hiking sections along the okay. trail. Right. And um, they had been worked on for many years. Like, there's a, the Voyager Trail Association's been around for 40 years. But we know, Gary and I knew, like, having walked the Appalachian Trail, which is a 2,000-mile footpath, mm-hmm. that you need, there's 9,000 people in, as volunteers that keep that trail open. Wow, You've got that's... to walk a trail to keep it open. Exactly. And we don't have yep. the population on the North Shore right. to connect that trail um, anytime soon. But there are these amazing sections oh, sorry, of walking trail. And um, we saw you know, the obvious way to get this done by our sesquicentennial in 2017 is to make it a water trail. Because nature has built the trail. What we need for that trail, though, are access points. And exactly. so uh, we came up with a strategy of 16 main access points. These wouldn't be about your camping wilderness spots. They would be the places you could drive to, park your car, and get on the water. Right. So then we looked at what are the types of things that we need for making that work. Um, we need... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. Kevin Callen. <laughs> hey, Kev. Hey, buddy. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> Disturbing the podcast. <laughs> Gotta love Kevin. We just had Kevin Callen swing by and do some video. <laughs> I know Kevin for a lot of years. <laughs> um, uh, so access so, points. Yeah, so yes. access points. The really exciting piece of this was that we said, okay, so we're going to work with all these different communities. We ended up with 16 partners that included Pakistan National Park, two provincial parks, and then 11 communities and uh, two lighthouses. So, uh, so as an NGO, so and, and an indigenous community too, Biktagong uh, Mishnabeg up near Pakistan. So. This was a really exciting and huge project for us to take Mm. on. We're a small organization, and we were going to be the oversight to a 1,000 kilometers of this 25,000-kilometer trail that goes ocean to ocean to ocean. So it was a really big opportunity for us to unite 
the vision of bringing this lake together and doing something really practical that we knew a lot about, which was paddling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, what we did at these access points, um, we looked at the site and we got a wonderful woman. Actually, she's here today in Michigan. She's from Michigan, Cindy Burkhauer, who looked at our sites to make them um, universally accessible. Perfect. So we wanted yes. from the parking yeah. lot to the docks to be accessible and making p- things accessible for someone in a wheelchair makes it accessible for everybody uh, the pathways are uh, you know f- um, the material for the pathways makes them walkable for everybody whether you're right. you know elderly or you're you've got children with you uh, they're wide enough so that you can carry your two kayaks with your friend um, everything about the design of the site was really imperative that we look at universal access. So that was the starting point. Then we said, what do everybody need? They need washrooms. They need the docks. They need picnic tables. They need, you know, uh, some kind of interpretive signage. So we put a package together and figured out what are we going to do for each one of these sites. Right. So not everybody had the... um, like Scriber, for instance, was not a good place with its big, steep, rocky beaches to have a dock. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. But yeah. another place like Grocap, which is a harbor, or Terrace Bay. Terrace Bay is a great example because um, that little community off uh, the Slate Islands, it's quite famous for the Slate Islands, but it's on the North Shore. And once uh, they put in uh, the Universal Access Dock and the Water Trail Access Point, they um, were able to match funding and get a whole lot more docks. It's an amazing site today. They've got lots of docking for everybody, and uh, it's made a really great water trail access point. And other places like Thunder Bay are putting in docks this year, universal access docks, which they didn't at the time. Right. Um, and it gave communities a way to work together, too, like Red Rock and Nipigon are uh, not that many miles apart but they weren't connected with one another. Well, the water trail connects them. They each have a water trail access point, and then they have great hiking trails. So... <laughs> well, you'd figure Thunder Bay yeah. would have some sort of access. Well, um, they do, uh, but it wasn't really... Like, now that it's dedicated as part of the Great Trail, right? the Trans-Canada Trail's the Great Trail, that made it... Um, gave it that, you know personality as being part of the whole of an ocean to ocean to ocean trail and it's significant because um, Thunder Bay is it's sort of the ending point to our part of the trail right but when you get there you pick up a bicycling trail then you pick up the uh, path of the paddle trail and um, it's different type of paddling because you're going inland right um, there's um, a really, I guess, I'm sorry, I'm mumbling. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the uh, a, a city like Thunder Bay, it's really the only um, main, it was the only main city on the trail that we worked with. And their resources uh, were, they've got a, you know, a really nice harbor. They've been really working on their waterfront. Uh, they have the Kaministiqua River and the old, uh, I should say, Fort William Historical Park. So all these attributes, but they're often 
you know, uh, they're not connected, but they are connected by the water. Right. So there's a lot of stuff happening on the Thunder Bay waterfront now. It's really exciting, and so our water trail is just part of that experience. So, so you yeah. are a you're a charitable nonprofit. Yeah. So for a lot of the funding for a lot of these uh, improvements and, and going forward, yeah. so so uh, uh, signing up for these tour the, these uh, water tours and stuff is a form of the funding, I assume. So do yeah. you get government funding? Like, how do you yeah? How do, you how do we do that? For the access points. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Conservancy itself, uh, because we're non-profit in Canada, the United States, we have funders, um, donors, and so on okay. as part of it yes. to keep the doors open at the Conservancy. And um, a big project like this, we put in $1.2 million worth of infrastructure, wow. and we oversaw that, but Trans-Canada Trail, rate, like it was TD Bank, it was the federal government... It was the Ontario Trillium Foundation, and Northern Ontario Tourism was a wonderful partner in it. And uh, so, some of those bigger, bigger projects, um, you know, you need big partners. Yeah. Um, when we started Canoes for Conservation last year, Northern Ontario Heritage Fund and Fednor and the City of Sault Ste. Marie helped step up. And Grey Owl Paddles, a wonderful oh, okay. paddle yeah. company out Absolutely, of Cambridge, yes. Ontario. Brian Dorfman, who we've known for many, many years, um, stepped in and provided us with not only some funding, but all the paddles that we needed for our two canoes. And um, we were able to get <laughs> Sparky's uh, waving at me here. <laughs> uh, we were, and so. Um, a little land trust like ours, like we're not a big organization. No. We have um, three people on right now, um, and um, we're situated out of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, in Sioux, Michigan. And we dream of being uh, an organization that is basin wide, especially through the water trail. Uh, if you look at our exhibit that we have here at Quiet Adventure Symposium, you'll see the map, and it's got all the water trails that are around Lake Superior. So there's our section of the Great Trail, the Lake Superior Water Trail, that goes from Grow Cap all the way around Thunder Bay. Then you pick up paddle, um, the Path of the Paddle. Then you pick up the Minnesota Lake Superior Water Trail. Then you pick up the Wisconsin Water Trail, the Keweenaw Water Trail. There's all these water trails, and uh, they're on our map, all different colors. We as a Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy organization that is set up for the watershed, we actually have the mandate and ability to actually connect all these water trails together. So that's a dream of ours, is to see it as an Appalachian Trail of water trails. Exactly. Wow. Where it would have that consistency, because the messaging is so hard when you go from one place to another, even just getting around northern Ontario. There's been so much work in the last few years with Northern Ontario Tourism to uh, recognize that we have an absolutely world-class landscape. You know, it's second to none in the world, and we don't have an economy that matches that. Right. We do have a very rich tourism economy in Northern Ontario, but it's largely been um, a resource-based industry economy where uh, we have, like, we had pulp and paper mill towns, um, we have, you know, forestry and mining. There's a huge amount of government subsidization that goes into those industries, though. And uh, 
as essential as those industries are, the tourism industry actually brings in more than all of them combined. And, and it's not subsidized. And it's not subsidized. And if you could put all the money that's brought into North, uh, to tourism, and particularly Northern Ontario tourism, was able to go back into the industry, people in this industry should be wealthy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But most of them do it as a love of life and heart. And they love the people. They love what they do. And we have a, an amazing network of outfitters like all across Northern Ontario that offer so many different types of things. Um, this Canoes for Conservation just is one little piece of one a little piece. picture. It, it helps uh, enlighten people and make people aware of the need for the, the conservancy. And it, we don't communicate very well when it comes to... Uh, I'd like the water trails and nonprofits and so on. Like you always see that the the logging industry and so on, they 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 get what they want. They have the they have the money behind them. And I think what we need to do is is communicate better for our, our natural areas and lakes and watersheds to preserve that for future generations. Is if we don't use it, we're going to lose it. If we don't talk about it, nobody's going to know about it. So this is something that we have to communicate better. We have to socialize better amongst. The, you know, the population so that people can get out and use it and, and make it useful and, and preserve it for future generations. And this is fantastic that, that the uh, Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy is, is helping communicate that, that need to preserve the, the backcountry, the waterways and the water trails. And I think this is a fantastic thing that you guys are doing. Well, one of the things I'd love to add to uh, what, we're, what we're doing to expand on well the canoes for conservation or whether it's the snowshoe winter walks that we're doing um, is that um, interpretation is really critical um, and having guides is really critical it's one of the areas that we're really missing out on and so like if you take the Canadian Rockies for instance all the national parks out there you have to have your guide certification in the interpretive guide oh, yes. association right. to work in the parks this isn't, it's certainly you need the skills for the canoeing or the hiking or the paddling or whatever it is that you're doing, the kayaking. But you also, by having that ability to interpret well, tell stories, be able to develop themes, make it exciting for people, learn how to make it relevant to people in this day and age, is to your audience, is one of the most critical features because. Like I started, when we started talking, I mentioned I went to a cottage when I was growing yes, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so did Gary. And so innately know about wild places and making your way around in the forest or along the shorelines. It's just home to you. Whereas if people don't grow up with that kind of thing, there's they're afraid of nature. Yes. Afraid, and it makes them nervous, they, they're unaware. Yeah, and yes. whether it's the little insects that we're looking at, it's the birds that we're listening to, it's the rocks that we're picking up, it's um, it's everything that you can learn with two really good interpretive guides. Um, it's safe, and it's um, it makes the whole experience a richer, more um, I guess when you get back to that being able to preserve the land, yeah. um, that that messaging comes through because people get enthused about like what they're experiencing. Yes. It goes in their heart. It's not just information and knowledge and so on. 
it's that somebody shows you how to use your senses again. Exactly. So you learn yeah. how to listen and what are those birds we're listening to. You learn like to touch the rocks and look at them and feel them and think about like the deeper stories that they have to tell. Yeah. But you need some guides to be able to do that. So one of the things we started was an interpretive guide association chapter on Lake Superior. Okay. And uh, getting people to be certified as interpretive guides. So we did that last year and we graduated 15 guides and we're going to be doing it this year in uh, Sault Ste. Marie and in Thunder Bay. And um, we're just really, you know, excited about bringing that kind of economy because it's a really good economic base. Um, having people, um, you're well paid as an interpretive guide. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so it's an, it's a, um, sorry, my earphones are falling it's uh, that's part of it is that people always say well this doesn't bring in a lot of economy actually guided interpretive experiences really do and yes. that's what canoes for conservation is and we employed five guides last year and it's small but like if everybody started doing that and you had big canoes at every single community and it everyone would, would was able you. you yes. had a big canoe you had five interpretive guides that well, they have to spell each other off and you're doing these experiences, now you're getting all those people who just come. They arrive, they don't have any gear with them, they don't have any experience. They're not gonna just get in a kayak or a canoe, lots of them yeah. aren't, No. but they can get in this big canoe, they can have this experience, and it's a jumping off then to being aware of this area. Maybe they'll come and they'll do more. They'll go bicycling, they'll go hiking, they'll learn about the different areas to explore. Exactly. So you're just drawing the people out, you're creating a new experience, and the more people come, the more you're bringing tourism dollars to communities that yeah. would be underserved normally for, for stuff like this. So it's it's win-win for everybody all around. The, the tourism comes in and they see a new experience. They experience something new, something different. They learn about the local community, the local the local watersheds the and local foods exactly. the, history, <laughs> the history of the area yeah. as well yes yeah. that would be my big thing is learning about the history of the area yeah. and if you got an interpretive guide that knows that yes. area that's huge yes yeah. right and that may like you say branch you off oh they were talking about this on our tour I'm going to go check that out I'm going to check and, that you know, out going to just go on from there and then yeah you know what even get the people that would go into a different area a different access area and do a tour there and then yeah. farther up and learn the whole coast. That's exactly sort of that's exactly what we want to see happening. And the more we share and collaborate with one another, the better. Mm-hmm. And some back to the richness of our indigenous culture of this whole region, you can just see how that in and of itself is an amazing interpretive experience. And having uh, indigenous guides, sharing foods, sharing music, sharing stories. That would be amazing. Uh, That's it's, awesome. Uh, it's a very, very rich um, um, just way to live life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A rich experience, awesome experience. for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely fantastic experience it would be. Yeah. So if anybody wants to find out more about it, yeah. where do they go? Well, superiorconservancy.org is okay. our website. I would say that's the just jump right in there and you'll find Canoes for Conservation. You'll find out about some of our land trusts. Okay. Because uh, one of the things, we're a mechanism for protecting land. Right. So one of our wonderful preserves is actually the Lake Superior Provincial Park. Um, there's a group of islands called the Gargantua Islands, um, 20 islands. You'll see them on our website and um, very fun um 
paddling part of the water trail, um, very spiritually significant to indigenous peoples of our region. Um, yeah, we're just, um, you'll see some of that and uh, you'll see about the water trail and Awesome. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> it's it's great to have you out to talk to us. We've uh, we've talked to you in the past about this over the last few years, and but it's it's nice to actually get you talking to us about it so that we can help spread the message and, and socialize this message to the community and to the people and help grow and help support you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the time today for you having me. Um, I I think that Lake Superior is a very um, remarkable place on this planet and the people who live here whether it's on the U.S. side, the Canadian side or within our indigenous nations um, we have a lot to gain economically but historically culturally and uh, the whole richness of the region needs to be mined in a different way. Exactly. <laughs> Precisely. That's yeah. a perfect way to put it. Yes. And I do like the, the, the fact that it's both sides of the lake. Yes. You know, we're not just talking about Canada. We're not just talking about the it's United States. Both. It's both sides. It's yeah. important that you really have cool. cooperation across the border to... You can't... If you try to preserve one side, you're going to be battling the other side. Yes. So it's 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 one con con cohesive unit of to protect the Lake Superior, right? Yeah. So. And that's why you can see with the water trail how critical that is because a water trail would be that one common bond that we would have all connected as one entity around the whole lake so you call it the lake superior water trail and now it's like that thread of that eco-cultural tourism thread right and as you have all those different experiences all around the lake we share amongst us all um it's yeah it's just it's a, a wonderful dream and uh, it's starting to come together <laughs> yes that's cool that's really cool well joni thank you for joining us here today Thank and you for having yeah, anytime you have more information to send our way, we'd be happy to, to share it with our listeners. Wonderful. Well, okay. thank you for coming today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. So that was Joni McGuffin uh, talking about the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy and the Canoes for Conservation. Uh, great groups, and uh, we really enjoy talking to Joni. Um, actually, the one year we were chit chatting with them because their booth was right behind us. So, uh, will hopefully, uh, happen again this year. And yeah, we'll see. Uh, back when we started doing the podcast, um, started listening to some music and stuff and trying to find some paddling music. And I happened to come across this fella named Jerry Vandiver, and he had a bunch of stuff. So we ended up chit-chatting with him over, uh, I think it was over Facebook at the time, um, and saying, you know, hey, would you mind if we played some of your, your paddling songs and that? And it was hard to choose which songs to to play on, on our podcast because, I mean, it's all paddling songs. You know, they all resonate with us sort of thing. And so we'd sit here and say, hey, let's play this one. And, you know, Derek was, no, let's play this one. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll play this one then. And it just became a free-for-all and we just started playing stuff. But uh, we actually have sat down with Jerry a couple of times. Uh, I think he's had three different fiddle players with him in the time we've met. Three or four? Three, yeah. So in episode 213, which was, again, in uh, 2020, um, we did uh, episode 212 and 213 was uh, for the Quiet Adventure Symposium. But Jerry 
inter uh, we interviewed Jerry and uh, he introduced us to his new album at the time, The Middle of Somewhere, and he also introduced us to fiddle player Caitlin Evanson, uh, who's been with him a few times now. Uh, they got a few different um, projects on the go all the time, it seems, and uh, having a lot of fun. Uh, they gave us a live performance of Blue Bandana Blues, and I know we have a couple of the bandanas sitting here, and uh, we got all Jerry stuff now. So it was nice to sit down with him at some point every time and, uh, you know, just listen to him play and the fact that we got to get them into the booth and, and catch a live performance in one of their songs was awesome. So here's Jerry and Caitlin singing Blue Bandana Blues and a little interview we did with them uh, just before that. We have Jerry Vandiver. No, we do. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And Caitlin Evanson. 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 No. Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin, who has played with a whole bunch of big name people. Absolutely. Yeah, but you know what? None of those big name people have paddled with her. Mm. As far as you know, maybe she's holding out on you. Well, well I have my serious doubts, trust me. And I think it was determined I think it was determined last night, as the theory went, that all the fiddling ladies get together down in Nashville and there's a big jar <laughs> with straws and they all pick out a straw. Yeah. Whoever gets the shortest has to tour. With, with Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> and guess who straw. lost? Aww, yeah. Aww, <laughs> Let me say something. Caitlin is not a loser. That's for sure. She's a serious winner, and I'm glad to be with her. Aww, awesome. Yeah. You're, you're enjoy paddling? Uh, do I enjoy paddling? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love commuting with nature. Love um, the movement, the connection. Something so beautiful. Yeah, it's my fave. Perfect. Awesome. Whoops. Uh, just fiddling with some buttons here. Here we go. Um, now, Jerry, you've got a new album. Out. I do. What's this it called? came out. It's called The Middle of Somewhere. It's my mission to have people stop saying the middle of nowhere because it's, <laughs> it's the true. middle of somewhere. Yes. You know, it's you not are always somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So that's 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 the title, and there's a song on it by the same title as coincidence would happen. Right. Yeah. Right. The, oh, it's. Oh, okay. Signals behind us or something. I'm not yes, sure what's no. going on. <laughs> Click me up I thought gear. it was another fiddle player that draw, drew those short straws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. It's the replacement. They held another draw. <laughs> Congratulations. You're going on tour with the big guys now. <laughs> no, no. Actually, I love, love, love being able to do this on my own terms and play music with him yeah. and just call it. And so it's lovely thank you yeah well if you're playing the big shows all the time it's, it's got to be nice to get down with jerry here and as a break as a fun thing not something so organized and yeah and play not that you what you're doing Jerry's is not organized oh, well, uh, yeah. actually have you met jerry that's quite a description that's, that's a, a proper description actually i spent time with jerry in nashville i know jerry now <laughs> you know he's 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 saying this the guy that's sitting across from him that he's making fun of is the guy that delivered to him Six quarts of moonshine yes, from Tennessee. Yes, I saw that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I have those six quarts in my yeah, possession, so, now can, <laughs> so I can say whatever. Yeah, I we'll, see what it, we'll see what happens next year. My, my wife will have words with me when I get home. Don't worry. <laughs> so, 
new album. You yes. can get it on yes. iTunes. iTunes. You get it on uh, PaddleSongs.com, CD Baby, Amazon, Apple Music. Uh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Spotify. You're going to be at Canoe Copia? Yes, we are. And you're going to Ka- be selling them there? Yes, and Caitlin will be there as well. Awesome. Yeah. Have you been to Canoe Copia before? No, I have not. You're going to love it. I can't wait. She's a Canoe Copia virgin. Ooh. Yay! Yeah. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'll, I'll have to paint a V on my forehead and then you know, do the whole thing. Right? Oh, yeah. There's a whole thing yeah. that goes on. Hazing. Oh, gosh. We'll start writing stuff we're, down. We're starting a bad tradition, I can tell. So everybody here is tearing down their booth. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, you're listening the day here, hearing the banging and clanging, yeah. tearing down the booth. Well, yeah, we didn't. We thought we still had another half hour, but apparently everybody decided, ah, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Cal is anxious yeah. to get out of here. Yeah. So well, yeah. And we're his ride, I think. Yeah, well, yes, then, we are. Yeah, tough. Yeah. So tell us about the new album. What can you tell oh, us about okay. it? Okay, yeah, but that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Um, it, 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 it's really fun. It's a little bit different in that um, uh, I did uh, three children's songs on it. Okay, for two of which are sung by children. And uh, the one of them is called "That's Why the World Has Rocks," and it was really cool because I cut the, I cut the tracks in, in Nashville, and then flew to Madison, Wisconsin, where the kids were because they're going to be performing with us at Canucopia. And then they went into the studio and sang the tracks, and then we flew back to Nashville and mixed them all. Wow! Yeah, so that's one that's song. Impressive. And then another one is I wrote a song uh, about my fishing experience when I was a little boy with my dad. Yep. It's called Out There With My Dad, and I um, actually recorded that song twice, one with a 10-year-old boy in Nashville. His name is Charlie Ward, and he sang a wonderful version of it, and then I went ahead and put my version on because it's about me and my dad. I wanted to put it down. So we had that, and then um, we have... It, it's kind of The other thing about the record is it's, it's a wild concoction of different styles. We have a blues song. We have a... Hardcore wank wank country song, oh, nice. um, and and some everything in between. Yeah. So it's 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 one of the funnest albums I've ever made. It's and 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 I have another song on there um, that I'll look your listeners to as we're banging around with the Kevin's uh, Kevin Callan's barrel there. Um, that was his barrel just landing in the car. Anyway, um, I did a song. I wrote a song last September in a canyon on the San Juan River in Utah after seeing. 2,000-year-old petroglyphs, and I was really moved by this, and I wrote the song, came out really quickly, and when we recorded it, I um, solicited uh, a Native American Mohican friend of mine, Bill Miller, and he did a chant on it, and it was quite mesmerizing, so there's a lot of influences in the record. I'm really happy with it. I like the one that you did with the, the choir, because when we were visiting you in Nashville, you were organizing that. I think he's talking about a different record. I don't Maybe. remember. No, no, choir. no. This, this past. You mean with the kids? Yeah, with the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, not choir. Yeah. Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I was. It was. Yeah. yeah. When was that? When you were there? September. September. Yeah. See, it, it was that long ago that yeah. you had to put everything together. Yeah. yeah. You know. So yeah. Yeah. Because okay. we're in the middle of lunch. And he goes, yeah. You guys just bugger off. I gotta do some work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, when you said really choir, cool. that threw yeah, me off. Yeah, yeah. a children's choir. <laughs> yeah, a children's school. Yeah, we call them the Sunshine Kids, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool to. We're listening to you actually organize all this. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get all the all the the the, the, the kids together. All the logistics. The times and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're listening to the actual song. Yeah. Yes. It was really later. fun. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. So before we get kicked yeah, out. Yeah, so what song have you selected for us? <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, I, I thought I would uh, give you the blues song since that's kind of an unusual format for me. Okay. And I'll tell you behind the story behind it really quickly. It's too bad we don't have visuals, but... <clears throat> um, so last spring, when I was getting ready to organize all my gear, 
I have my blue bandanas ready to go. Yep. And I put them in the washing machine, and they came out of the dryer in about 20 pieces. Oh, no. It was like a devastating thing. Yeah. And I, I uh, so I started to write a song about, it, it was this real tender, new agey, yeah. touchy-feely song about how this bandana and I have been through all these travels together, and, and it really sucked. So instead of doing that, I said, you know what? I got the blue bandana blues. Yes. And that's what we wrote. And that's the song. Perfect. Would you like to hear it? Yes, I would. I don't think I don't think Sean wants to hear it. <laughs> no. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Went to the store, bandana aisle. Bright and blue. Just my style. We traveled the world and every season. Now that bandana is falling all the pieces. Got a trip coming up. And I don't know what to do With a rough and ragged Holy and haggard Blue bandana blue Went back to the store Bandana aisle I took a look around and Nothing could be found Now this one hurts I ain't gonna lie, I miss that banana more than all my ex-wives. I got a trip coming up, and I don't know what to do. With the rough and ragged, holy and haggard, blue bandana blues. Here goes Caitlin. Okay, Sean and Derek, this is the part where we need a little help. Okay. I'm going to come up with some rhymes for the word bandana, and you're going to respond by singing, For a blue bandana. You better sing. Alabama slammer. Okay, you're not allowed to sing. You're close, but not close (laughs) enough. You're supposed to, I'm supposed to sing those lines. Okay. You're singing... <laughs> the blue bandana. For a blue bandana. Good. Okay, here we go. Well, I went to Atlanta. For a blue bandana. And Texarkana. For a blue bandana. Down in Savannah. For a blue bandana. But I came up empty-handed. For a blue bandana. My other guys, you guys really suck. I want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> there for you, buddy. I wrote a letter to Santa. For a blue bandana. And Hannah Montana. For a blue bandana. I called Carlos Santana. For a blue bandana. But he was in Havana. For a blue bandana. Oh, I got a trip coming up. And I don't know what to do. Actually, guys, you're really good. That was great. Rough and ragged. Holy and haggard. Blue. Bandana blues. Yeah, they're rough and ragged, holy and haggard, jostled and jagged, totally tragic. Blue bandana blues.
Don't let it happen to you. <laughs> In your North Star canoe. <laughs> Hiking Timbuktu. Drinking Kalamazoo. Not you. Woo! Nice, thank you. <laughs> wow, look at that private concert. Private concert. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody could see what we're seeing right now, like we are the last, pretty much the we're last the booth. Yes, we're, we're the holdouts. Yeah. We're, we're like on strike. <laughs> we, you know what? Let's play the whole album. We, Every <laughs> one of your albums, right here, right now. Please, <laughs> we'll have to Eight drag hours us out later. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody go get us some beer. We're going to need lots. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. I might it. add that, that Derek has a blue bandana right he around. He has a blue bandana. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm so very I impressed. Yeah. Fun. Yep. I think I think Sean's reaching for one, too. Just you can let get him know them I got, Oh, he's got one, two, three, four. Remember I bought five this morning? Yes. Five. Oh, okay. Wow. So. <laughs> These aren't just blue bandanas. These are personalized Jerry Jerry blue bandanas. Yeah. That's right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Beauty. They well, are fashion, <laughs> fashion, <laughs> fashionista baby. Yes. Uh, well, Jerry, we're we're really happy the new album came out, and yes, we're really happy. Well, look at this. We're we're being cleaned out around us. Yeah. Uh, we're hopefully Thanks for it joining really, us. Yeah. Hopefully it takes off. You're selling lots. Uh, yeah, like there's a lot of people. So far, so good. People seem to love it. I'm really excited about that, and I'm having a lot of fun playing the songs. Good. You know, especially with her. Yes. She yeah. makes me sound a lot better than I really am. Everybody yeah. does, Jerry. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Even you. Even, Even anybody. Yeah. Even me. Well, thank you very thank much, you Caitlin. For thanks us. for coming along. Thank you for having and, me. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll talk again soon. All right. Okay. That was Jerry Vandiver and Caitlin Evanson playing Blue Band and a Blues. Uh, like I say, we've uh, it's always a good time to sit there and chit chat with Jerry and listen to him play some songs uh, every time we're we're at the Quiet Adventure Symposium. Uh, you know, we do these things afterwards. We go to a restaurant or somebody's hotel room just to chit chat and talk paddling and stuff. And if Jerry's there, you know, there's a guitar coming out and he plays a bunch of his uh, songs and you know favorites of everybody. So. Uh, if you go online to jerryvandiver.com, he's got a little store up there where you can buy all his CDs and, and whatnot. So, like I say, a great listen uh, if you're into paddling music and stuff. So check them out. Uh, that's all we got uh, for this week. And next week, uh, maybe the next couple of weeks, depending on how many people we can, in, uh, we can interview at the Quiet Adventure Symposium uh, 2024 edition, there'll be a couple more interviews uh, to come your way. Uh, but for this week, that's all we've got. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can just go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can download or stream all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and fellow paddlers. I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley, and we'll see you next time.